0: welcome to the chronic glow show i'm amy and my mission is to help women transform their mindset and take a step forward with chronic illness so grab a cup of tea sit back and let's get straight into the episode Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Chronic Glow Show. Today I've got a really exciting episode because my husband is joining us to talk all about chronic illness in relationships, especially um, in young relationships. We were together when we were 17 And we are now 25. Well, actually, you're 26 now, aren't you?
1: Getting old. Um,
0: Yeah. So it's a really good episode, basically, for you to really listen and see how chronic illness affects our relationship, how it affects our lives and how we can support each other through it. So um, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Well, hello. I've been around every now and then, but I've never been on a proper podcast before. So this is exciting. (laughs) Uh, my name's Angus, and I mean, as I'm sure as you already know, me and Amy have been together uh, since we were 17. We got married in September, and uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. We've been through an awful lot together when it comes to chronic illness from your part and having to deal with the consequences of such.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we got together when, uh, when we were 17, and I'd I wasn't diagnosed with any chronic illness at that point, but I had had a glandular fever. So we met about six months after I had glandular fever, I think. I got it in sort of April, March, April time in 2012, and we then met in the October.
1: You were definitely in the, the worst was over, but still having yeah. a lot of the effects. Yeah,
0: it definitely, glandular fever affected me for a long time. Um, I know a lot of people say six weeks, but for me it was... You know, I was still ill like a year later, um, obviously, and then it ended up being Emmy. So really, Angus has been there right from the beginning, and you've never really known me pre-illness. Heard um, a lot
1: about it. But <laughs> I certainly yeah. never met you.
0: So you have kind of you've only ever been with me since that. Which I don't know how does that how does that make you feel? Um, sort of knowing that there was, maybe it was like a different side to me before I got chronically ill.
1: I mean there's two sides to that, I feel. Where I do it is nice to hear about all the things you stick it up to. Uh of, like you have a knackered knee as well, so it's also hearing what you <laughs> yeah. were like before you knacked your knee. Like where you like horse riding, uh where you were going out. I see all I being friends with you on Facebook, I can see photo, photos mm-hmm. from before you were diagnosed with granular fever. But for me where, knowing you all oh, I've ever known you is this. So it's not like I have anything to really compare it to.
0: Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, for me, um, obviously this doesn't go for everybody, but for me it's not been like a straight line of me either getting better or worse. I've had ups, I've had downs, I've had months and months where really it hasn't affected me at all. And then I've had other months where I've been like practically housebound for for, for the whole summer, for example. Um, so you've really been through that complete up and down journey, haven't you? Mm. Um, so obviously I didn't get diagnosed with ME until um, about a year and a half after we met so you kind of went through that whole diagnosis with me in a way Um, do you want to talk about a little bit how that was for you and how you felt sort of having your I mean we were literally 18 at the time how that felt having someone you were so close to going through a diagnosis and how that affected you
1: I think at the time, I didn't really realise what being diagnosed with ME what Like, everyone's kind of heard of it, but I didn't know the specifics and the ins and outs of it. Uh, so certainly it was like, oh, you've been diagnosed with something and it's really bad. And knowing that it's kind of similar to glandular fever, at least I had a base to be prepared for, in a sense. Uh, but I don't think even I think even like maybe a year after you got diagnosed, I think I was still certainly coming to grips with parts of it, and mm.
0: and I think ME is such a complex condition anyway because there's so many different ways in that it can affect me.
1: Well, think about when sometimes you the effects can go from light to very severe, yeah. But in like a flash, yeah. So for like when we would be going round, we'd be planning to meet up at mine while we were at university and then suddenly I'd get a call after work or after university where you were saying that you'd, just, you, really you'd just completely conked out and then you couldn't do anything to the point where you couldn't even leave the bed sometimes yeah. and then that was where then I would then grab tea on my way from work <laughs> and come and meet you at your flat. Those were
0: sometimes good days though you know I, I could just stay in bed and I'd literally have my dinner brought to me um, which is it's it's not the worst. You way certainly to didn't. Spend you, the time.
1: you certainly didn't complain.
0: <laughs> well, I think I complained about the symptoms. Maybe not about the way you helped me with them. And maybe
1: my choice of food when I brought it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of, um, I mean, our age. Obviously, at eighteen. Gosh, looking back, like there was a certain level, of, like a lack of maturity, I, I suppose. Mm. And while at the time we probably both thought like, oh, we're dealing with this so well, like we're so mature, like we're acting like adults, you know, we're in this like loving supportive relationship, which we absolutely were, but I feel with that, when you're dealing with something as intense and as um, sort of, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but something quite as intense as chronic illness, it does affect you in ways that you don't necessarily realise. And when you're 18, you know, you were just going off to uni. I think we had our whole lives ahead of us. As
1: you say, me being off to university, I had a year where I saw you in brief concentrated periods. Mm. So it's not like I was around to see the effects 100%. Which was when you came down to York for University, I really got a shock, I feel, yeah. as to how bad it could be. Because yeah. when I was down here by myself, I was speaking to you. I think we were having like sometimes phone calls which lasted like for, like three to four hours long kind of thing. Admittedly,
0: a lot of that time I would be asleep. Yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> there, there were quite a few. But we spoke where
1: I a lot, asleep. but I didn't yeah. see you, and just hearing and texting you, you don't get mm. the gist. Like you can do that while being yeah. affected by the symptoms heavily.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, I would, and I I would always try and not sort of burden you as well, like, not not consciously, but, you know, if you were asking me how I would go, I'd definitely underplay it, and at the time, I probably didn't realise that I was doing that, but I think, again, looking back, I definitely sort of underplayed a I lot of like it, because al- I didn't want to worry you.
1: I feel like you've always done that, to a point. Do you well, like soldiering on. To, yeah, to, I am guilty of that. To try and, like... To sometimes where I have to say, Amy, you do need to stop yeah. and just rest. Yeah. And even though you yourself know that, I feel like sometimes you don't want to acknowledge it and mm. you want to push through it.
0: And it's a big to thing. detriment sometimes. Yeah, and that's a big thing that I push um, to like when on social media and stuff I'm always saying like when was the last time you took a break in fact I did a poll yesterday about um when was the last time you took a break and I think 75% of people voted that they didn't even know they couldn't remember the last time they had a break so I know that's not just me that struggles with that and even this week I'm on my half term break which I was saying to you last week is the perfect time for me to step back watch the tv that I want to watch read my books go for a nice walk and I like I hold my hands up it's Tuesday and I've literally not stopped like I've just been doing 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 um and I and I do recognize that in myself but I'm also I'm at the point now where I can tune into tune into what I do need and I know that while I'm still doing 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 I'm not sort of going out for the walks and I'm not doing the intense exercise and this that and the other like I'm still managing it um, but yes yeah, stepping back and actually letting go and relaxing is a struggle of mine and it's something I am Consistently working on with the help of you, of course. I try Um so let's talk about sort of supporting me through uni and also me supporting you with coming to terms with it because as you said when I was at home you know if I came over to yours I'd only be coming over when I was well and I think this is what a lot of people struggle with with the invisible illnesses is that if your friends and your family and loved ones are seeing you you're they're seeing you at your best because you're going out when you feel your best so they don't see the times where you're shutting yourself away, the times where you can't get out of bed, the times where like my mum would have to come and bring me breakfast, lunch and dinner, she'd have to help me up to go to the toilet and things like that. Nobody sees that side of it because on those times I don't talk to anybody, I really do shut myself away. Not because I don't want that support and I don't want to talk about it, but because I physically don't have the energy.
1: I would say you're talking about the whole closing off part of it. Uh, we i think we'll both admit that the whole when you talk about the closing off we've both been through uh times where you closed off maybe more than you meant to Mm. sometimes when it comes to it like we when you lived in york we were trying to see each other like what like three or four times a week like actually coming and staying at someone's each other's flat but then at, at points it got to the where you wouldn't want me coming round because you just didn't want you were yeah the embarrassed is the wrong word because you weren't embarrassed it was more just you didn't want to burden me with how bad you were yeah, i I, feel. Th- I
0: think i think that there's definitely a sense of burden a sense of like i didn't want you to feel responsible for having to look after me yeah, and exactly. and also i feel like there's a big part of me you know i'm 20 21 i'm a very young adult i'm at university and I haven't washed my hair in four days. Or I haven't been able to have a shower. And while now, I mean, I'm sitting here literally. I have not brushed my hair. I'm in my pajama top,
1: lockdown like, joggers. <laughs> like
0: I now, I really don't care. Angus can see me in every way. We
1: have been living together permanently for yeah. But I feel how like many, how many
0: years now? Uh, coming up three, I think. Three, yeah. Um, but when you're at the beginning of a relationship, or you know, when I was young, I was very um sort of underconfident in terms of how I looked and how people perceived me and I think a big part of that if I was really at my worst and really I feel like in myself I didn't look my best I wouldn't necessarily always want Angus to see me because you want the person that your partner to sort of like to look at you and fancy you and that kind of thing and I feel like as a 20 year old when you know that you literally look disgusting as I do right now. <laughs> You don't necessarily want people to see you like that. And I think that was a big learning curve as well. Me understanding that you literally didn't care what I looked like and that you loved me no matter what. And it, you know, you'd rather come and help me and support me than me just shut you away. I think that was a big part of it as well. And again, that's the immaturity and the, the lack of confidence that I had in myself, which I've managed but to build I would up.
1: also maybe not say immaturity, I would say because you lived by yourself. Mm. It was the part of the independence of the fact that you wanted to be able to do all these things yourself and fair enough having uh, a boyfriend at the time uh, who was willing to come and help you with all of these things and be there to support you but you still wanted that independence to be able to do it yourself but then when you can't do that yourself
0: it's hard to let go and it's hard to let go
1: of wanting of that independence itself
0: and i and i think as well you know when i was at university as you say i was living on my own um for a big portion of university for about a year and a half I lived on my own um and I definitely and I probably would never sort of say it back then but now I can see that I was very much trying to be like that independent woman sort of vibe um, and wanting to do everything myself and unfortunately with chronic illness you do have to reach out you do have to ask for help and I'm and be willing to receive it um, which I think, I, think it was, I did struggle with. I feel
1: like it was the willing to receive it part. Yeah. It was the bit that I, because I wanted to be there to help you so much.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it was it was definitely hard sometimes when we, for instance, we were meant to be uh, meeting up for a date or yeah. meant to be going, meant to be just going around to one of our houses to have mm. dinner together. And then I was, and then I couldn't because yeah. you wouldn't let me see you.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely. Um, I think university was probably the hardest I've had it in terms of both chronic illness and just general mental health and well-being. I guess. Well, you dropped um, out
1: of university for. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, the first the first time I went to university, I lasted all of six grand weeks, um, and that that's because I got diagnosed with ME in the July and basically convinced myself I wasn't going to get the A-level results, I was completely set, I don't know if you remember but I was like I'm not even going to worry about going to university because I haven't got the results, like I had a panic attack in one exam, I was too ill to advise for the others, like it's just not going to happen, Um, got diagnosed and that kind of like almost confirmed even more that I wasn't going to get the grades because I was like well definitely won't be able to get the grades now, results they came, I got the grades by some miracle (laughs) and then all of a sudden it was a complete 180 switch and I was like oh well if I've got the grades then let's do it let's go for it you
1: almost got the grades and then forgot about the diagnosis which for personal well-being is really good but then when the disease hit you hard yeah when you came down to York
0: oh yeah it suddenly all
1: came flowing back
0: I was so unprepared um I I mean, I just did everything that normal 18... Well, I was 19 at the time because I'd already re-sat re- a year at um, school because of um glandular fever. Um, So 19, I was like, I want to be able to fit in. I want to be able to go out with, like, my housemates. I want to do this. I want to do that. And there was, like... It basically, it just... It did not work. And, and six months in, I was living with a um group of six... There was five... Six of us in the the flat, I think. And the other five girls were horrible. I they were like really cliquey they wanted to go out all the time and then in
1: defense of them not all of them I feel like some of them no but the only
0: other one that I got on with she left two weeks before me so I mean that kind of that didn't help (laughs) I think that goes to show how bad the other ones were um and it turns out actually I found out later on that they'd all ended up like splitting off and some of them had ended up leaving university and it was just a very like toxic household um but obviously that was having a massive impact on my health and I wasn't able to go to all the lectures and I was basically shutting myself away in this like tiny little pokey bedroom um so I left after six weeks which at the time I like you you couldn't really understand my dad really struggled to understand um really my mum was the only one that was like yeah I think you're doing this for the right reasons but I left having zero idea of what I was going to do with well that my life. was
1: I mean from my perspective that was the toss-up of I understood why you needed to leave, but then my personal—I uh, can't think of the word—my uh, personal wants at the time yeah. was for you to stay in York to be near me, so I could see you as often as I wanted.
0: Yeah, and I think as well. Um, so I left in the October, end of October, and we we had a really rocky patch over the next few months after that. And I I was now looking back, like I was quite depressed i would say i really didn't have a clue i had no direction i didn't know what I had to do i was living at home and all my friends were either at uni or like working or doing whatever and i was stuck with this illness that i didn't know how to handle um and we we really struggled um at that point um didn't we 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 ended up well you say breaking up i'm gonna go rachel and say it, we were on a break I,
1: I can't be ross in this situation no because you
0: didn't cheat thank god but <laughs> Um, but we did sort of take a break over Christmas um January time which I mean lasted all of about two weeks and that's you know it wasn't really we did I
1: we did end up I did end up coming up and meeting you in the town yeah. nearby where you lived and just it was hard not to just want to be together again yeah. when I met you
0: and I mean we we did end up back together obviously by your birthday, which is the beginning of Feb, we yeah. were we were back to, not like, normal, our normal. um. But that was probably the lowest part, and I think, again, that came from a big part of you wanting to help, you wanting to be there, you wanting to support me, but and me way, just not receiving it.
1: In a way, we've both said that that break was...
0: It was completely needed.
1: It was so positive to our yeah. relationship as a whole Absolutely. in general. Because, I mean, you, for instance, said that you, you really loved me beforehand, but... When the break started, you realised how much you couldn't do without me.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, a big part of my I remember speaking to my mum about this. Um, and a big part of Which was lovely, me was <laughs> was um, me retreating because I was like, I don't want to burden Angus for the rest of my life. Like At this point, we'd been together for coming up two to three years, I think. I'd
1: say it was close to three at the time. Yeah, I state. think it
0: was like two, two and a half years. And um, I... I was kind of like, you know, at that point we were nineteen twenty. Yes, okay, we weren't talking about marriage there and then, but it was kind of like, if we're not in it for the long haul, like why are we in it? Kind I mean, of you we were,
1: were, but you're the person who had your entire life planned out well, yeah, for you since you were like sixteen. That's
0: besides the point, Fourteen. Uh, <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, but and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want Angus to feel like he's stuck with me. I don't want him to feel like he's stuck with this person who like can't get out of bed three days a week etc so I think a big part of me was pushing you away because I was I didn't believe that you actually genuinely wanted to be with someone who was so ill Well,
1: I could tell you how much of the how much I did want to be with you and how much I at least understood what I could understand because I don't think I can ever truly understand because I've never been there myself I've been Mm. there from the outside perspective absolutely but I've never actually experienced it myself.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, is um, obviously you could tell me, but I love you. Like, it, your illness doesn't matter to me. Like, I want to be with you regardless, et cetera. But if I don't want to hear it or I don't believe it, then that it was getting lost in translation. And mm. I think that's what led to me, us ultimately sort of like having taking a break, not breaking up, taking a break. Um, but obviously, and as we say, like that, we both thank our lucky stars that we did do that because I think if we'd tried to keep going, we probably, probably, we would have ended up breaking up at some point, I think, and that might not have been salvageable. I don't know whether we would have come back from it we'll if think, this had lasted months and months and months. We'll
1: think we're married now, and well, yeah. we're however many years after that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think for us breaking up... Sorry, not breaking up, taking a break, <laughs> was needed for us to both realise exactly what we want. And also, it, it made me believe everything you've been telling me. You know, it made me believe that you want to be with me despite my illness and that you accept that part of my life, etc. And that actually you coming back to me was like consolidating the fact that you wanted to be me like wholeheartedly not just like my personality whatever no, I without think the that's illness one i one of the
1: things where when fair as as we've said previously when i was at university and you were still up home with you at your parents there was that separation mm. between i would have uh the relationship with you but fair enough long distance which is a pain in itself and we're not going to get into long right. distance relationships in Another this.
0: conversation entirely.
1: Uh, but you, do, I'd missed out on the the hardships, the mm. nitty gritty, uh, and I feel that you need that as part yeah. of a relationship. It's not as as they say for a wedding. It's th- through thick and thin. Yeah, you're not there. You can't be there for the good bits if you not also want to be there for the yeah. bad bits, and that's the thing that you really need to toss up in your mind, I guess, because with chronic illnesses, the bad times are very consistent mm-hmm. and a lot of the time yeah or i say a lot of the time they can be a lot of the time but you don't know it's not like you can plan when you're gonna No, ha- i mean
0: really it's all of the time sometimes are worse than others i mean there's not a day that goes by that i don't suffer with at least one symptom well, yeah, but you, the, you, the severity you of those did,
1: you can't plan yeah. when it's going to be severe so you don't know you can't say yeah. like for instance when there's been like when we went up to edinburgh mm. to get uh I, my kilt and you you ended up being essentially hotel bound for the yeah. entire time we were there what a joy you missed meeting uh, nicola costa wajawin in, a, well, in a, I feel
0: like I was there cuz I do vaguely in remember a but yeah but I don't actually remember cuz I wasn't I wasn't interested in game of thrones then and now I'm kicking myself and so like I had the perfect opportunity but that is again another conversation for another time um, let's talk about actually moving in together. So we've been living in this flat for two and a half years, I think and i mean essentially i'd moved in with you before into your into your house um earlier than that just, so coming up
1: we stole my flat my yeah. housemate's room and just, it just he, kind of after, an ambush, he, after he moved <laughs> out quotation marks
0: um so about coming up three years i would say we've lived together now um and obviously we got married in september so coming up six months married yeah. how did you find it going from supporting me but living separately to them living and we're literally we were we were it was the two of us we didn't have any family nearby to support it was like you supporting me and that was it how how did you did you find that
1: i feel like in a way we'd spent so much time around at each other's on nights late like as even though i talk we've talked about how you wouldn't let me come around sometimes there were so many other times where for instance if i was already there or where you genuinely like the times when you genuinely couldn't get out of bed, mm. and you needed someone to come round to help you because you could not do anything. Yeah,
0: I feel like yeah, I think um moving in together in some ways helped relieve that pressure of me not wanting to receive help or you um, wanting to come support but not being able to or whatever because we were living together. So well, I was already there. That like, support there was, was no, on tap, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I mean how did you find so you know, like just day to day living? Like was it what you expected? Was it sort of like harder than you expected? How like just day-to-day living with, with my symptoms and flare ups and
1: In a way, doctor's it's, appointments? I et I mean, I'd lived I'd lived with plenty of people before, but a lot of them were just friends, you know, mm. like you don't have the same level of Like, for instance, I wasn't going to say, this is your bin day and this is my (laughs) bin day. Or why is there a huge pile of washing up in the sink that hasn't been done in, like, a week? Sorry, Rory, that was how we lived. (laughs) And that was as much my fault as it it was yours. Uh,
0: Rory was Angus's housemate um, before he moved back to Manchester and I took his place in the house. Um, And going round the house... I think a big part of me not wanting to come around to your house because their house was a typical bachelor hole. Except... Like it was not a bachelor part, it was just a hole.
1: Except at the time, both of us were in relationships.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it
1: really wasn't a I bachelor. mean, it
0: was... There was, like, a stack of pizza boxes that were there for months, and it was, like, this, like, leaning tower of pizza boxes.
1: The leaning tower of pizza.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the sink was just constantly full, like... The bathroom, or oh, don't even get me started. We, we, on the bathroom. We, don't,
1: we don't need to go into the nitty gritty <laughs> of how disgusting my house was. Anyway, uh, because I didn't have any. Like, I was so used to the symptoms from staying at yours and being around you a lot when you had them. Moving in, obviously, you see it 100% of the time mm. rather than, say,
0: 90 I'll
1: Be generous, I'll say maybe like 60 to 70%.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like even when you came over when I was at uni, um, when we were living separately, even when you came over, like, you didn't see the time where I would literally, like, sleep for five hours through the day. You'd see me in the evening when I, like, had a little bit more energy. Still or, if you, to... or if you
1: were sleeping, that would be what I go and do something else. Yeah,
0: you didn't really, like, hang around to see, like, all the other stuff. You came and, like, you helped me... Either cook you cooked something yourself or... Bought, well, actually, never cooked yourself. What am I talking about? You would bring food <laughs> to me. We'd sit and eat. We'd watch some telly and then we'd fall asleep, which would be a normal time in the evening. We didn't really... You didn't really see, like, the whole day. Like, if you take 24 hours, you very rarely saw the whole 24 hours no. of the flare. You would see maybe, like, five hours. even like, the morning kind of or yeah. the
1: evening rather than, like, the day itself. Whereas
0: living together, you see everything like you see the ups you see the downs you see me awake till two o'clock in the morning when I can't sleep because I'm in pain you also see me sleep until 10 11 o'clock and that is not normal for me usually I'm like in bed by eight up at six kind of thing but you see everything you see the pain you see the tears you see everything and I feel like did that kind of open your eyes as to just like how sort of rounded this is
1: uh, uh, absolutely I mean it it's hard to really clarify how hard it was when we first moved in to see just how long and how mm. like I, I knew how bad it was because I've been weepy for however many years by that point uh, but seeing it in for yourself 100% of the time is a very different matter
0: yeah um so I realized we've been speaking for quite a while so we are going to finish off but I do have a couple more questions um one what would be your sort of top advice for supporting your partner or close loved one anybody you're living with for example what would be your top advice for them
1: in a weird way i feel like there isn't really because everyone's going to be different like for instance stuff that i did for you which really helped might not be something which might help someone else Mm. it's just trying to be a blank canvas so then you can embrace and take hold of the yeah. things that will help. Yeah. And for instance.
0: Almost doing it like from a place of love rather than judgment. Like really trying to take the sort of, not well, not, not judgment, I, but like emotion out I of it. I wouldn't even
1: say love in a way. Because if you were a friend doing it for another friend, fair enough you have like the friendship love you yeah, have love
0: but, for them, yeah. yeah. But I mean like I think it. Yeah, as you say, like blank canvas, like take any like preconceived ideas out and just take that person like as they are in that moment. Is that kind of what you mean?
1: Yeah. So yeah. you're you're doing what needs to be done at the moment and for that person specifically, rather because there was plenty of things where I thought this would help.
0: Yeah. But then but it wasn't what I it needed. wasn't what
1: you needed at the time, yeah. and that's one a really big uh, preconception that was hard to mm. come around.
0: And the tricky thing is that sometimes I don't even know what I need. And like, actually, where we are now is sometimes you know what I need more than I know what I need, because you know me so well, we've now lived together for so long, you kind of pick up on the cues, you're like, Amy, you've been snappy, you need to go and do this, like go and have a bath or whatever, and I'm like, actually, you know what, that's that's exactly what I need to do. I
1: mean, essentially, a bath, bed and a cup of tea is a pretty <laughs> solid mean, yeah. uh, pretty Don't solid forget the hot, the hot water bottle. And the hot water And chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate's not unnecessary, but...
0: I think it is. Um, and last question. Um, I usually ask um, any guests that come on with chronic illness what their number one or top tip would be for someone who's just been diagnosed. But obviously, how, what my question for you is what would be your top tip for somebody whose loved one has just been diagnosed with chronic illness?
1: Good question. Uh... Oh. <laughs> Quite a few things to be fair. Okay, well um, just pick
0: one or two. I'll I'll let you have two.
1: As I said before, I think the blank canvas part where there there is no right or wrong way mm. to think about it because it's not a nice thing and it does dramatically change your lives like for instance I think when uh, you go back to like what we said before where you like planning your life and this completely turned it up on your head yeah uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because you adapt it but it's just change and change is always hard and yeah. I and I feel like with someone being diagnosed not just with but with anything is something anything, where yeah. it's going to have change but that change might lead to positives down the line
0: yeah Definitely.
1: so like for instance when we went on our break I Did you expect us to get back together and then be married in a couple of years' time?
0: Oh, yeah, I always knew that would be the case. (laughs) I think as well, I'm just going to add to that, from this person who was diagnosed, I think um, your partner doing their own research is is really testament to how much they care. And I think, because I know that you did your research sometimes. Why are you looking at me like that?
1: When you say research, I i did look up things but i feel like i i feel like most of what i've learned with you has been from just trial and error a lot well yeah i
0: mean what i was going to say is doing the research but also respecting the fact that every person's different so because my um dad could do the research like he could go online he could google me like anybody can do that but it actually taking me at face value and be like okay what does amy need what's she going through I think um is a really good tip for anybody who's struggling to maybe really understand what their partner or loved one is going through. Mm. Um well, that's, know, doing the research and being open to learning about it, but also listening to that person and Well that's advice good advice for
1: any any yeah. so, any scenario, I not mean, just yeah. for chronic illness. You're taking the person as they are, as a person, as that individual.
0: Rather than what like Google says that person should be because they've I, got XYZ. I'm X, not, Z,
1: Z. not labelling you as yeah. someone with ME, I'm labelling you as Amy.
0: Yeah and I happen to have Emmy. yes
1: exactly
0: amazing well thank you so much for coming and joining me I know um, a lot of people will be looking forward to listening to this so I I wish I'd had a choice (laughs) yeah he didn't have a choice um so yeah I hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please come and say hello on Instagram let me know what your biggest takeaway was um and sort of how you're getting on if you're in a relationship or looking to get into a relationship um you know let me let me know whether this was helpful or not Um, and we'll leave it there I hope you have a lovely day and I'll see you in the next episode
1: lovely to speak to you all
0: you would ruin the ending wouldn't you thank you so much for listening to this episode and if you enjoyed it I would love if you could leave a five-star review and subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already I appreciate all your support so much and I can't wait to see you in the next episode